This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, PERMA student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. All right, everyone, we are back with part two to the discussion around sugar addiction and how sugar impacts our body. So if you have not yet listened to part numero uno, then go back and listen to that. It's the episode right before this one, um, because we're going to pick up where we left off. So if you missed that episode, you might be like, huh, what in the world are you talking about with some of the references that I refer back to? So go ahead and pause this, go back and listen to episode one, It's ep- or I'm sorry, episode seven, part one of the uh, sugar discussion. So just a quick recap then, we, in the last episode, we talked all about how um, sugar is very inflammatory. It causes a lot of issues with our digestive tract, with our brain and our mood, with joints and joint pain. Um, I got a little feisty talking about the liver and the impact on the liver and on our kids' livers. And we talked about heart health and how it impacts heart health. We talked about how Sugar impacts your skin and and wrinkles and aging and um, specifically around stress hormones, gut health. Uh, And then we ended up talking about vitamin C and how vitamin C can't be properly absorbed with uh, excess sugar in your system. So hopefully you weren't freaked out too much after hearing that episode. Um, And and I want to make it super clear that I'm not saying you can't ever have sugar. That is absolutely not what I'm saying, because what is life without candy or a treat or a soda, if that's your thing or whatever? I mean, you do not have to be completely sugar free forever. I mean, if you want to, you do you, but you do not have to be. That is not the point I'm trying to make. Um, Same with our kids. I'm not trying to freak you out and, and make it so you never give your kids any sugar ever. Um, because, you know, they need to learn how to regulate their own sugar and, and balance eating and all of that. So, um, but what I'm saying is in the amounts that is in our diet currently, it's excessive and we need to be mindful and pick and choose wisely where we decide to have sugar. So the topic of conversation that we're going to focus on today is more around the idea of sugar addiction. I know that is something that multiple people have asked me to discuss more about, and I'm going to dive into that. There's a couple of different things with sugar addiction specifically that I'm going to kind of highlight. Um, But first, I want to talk a little bit about artificial sweeteners. That was one thing that we didn't cover on the last episode, and it's definitely something I want to dive a little bit deeper into. Uh, And then we'll talk about ways to spot sources of sugar in our diets, and we'll talk about how in the world to stop sugar cravings when they start, and kind of some action tasks around that. So who's ready? All right, let's dive into this. So let's jump into artificial sweeteners. A lot of people will ask, are artificial sweeteners better than sugar? We hear all these horror things and stories around sugar intake. Are artificial sweeteners better? What do you think? I personally think no, they are not better. So I did a little bit of research and uh, deep diving into studies around artificial sweeteners. And 
artificial sweeteners. So we talked last time about the dopamine hit, right? And, and the sweetness factor of certain foods and artificial sweeteners are 180 to 20,000 times sweeter than regular table sugar. So regular table sugar or sucrose is kind of like the baseline that they use to gauge sweetness. So regular table sugar is the baseline and everything else is measured from the sweetness of table sugar. So artificial sweeteners come in, all of these ones like, you know, Splenda and aspartame and and all these other chemically formed sweeteners come in and they are graded as 180 to up to 20,000 times sweeter than table sugar. So how do you think that would impact you as a person? When we talked last time about the dopamine response to sweetness, when you are having something that is 180 times or up to 20,000 times sweeter, that dopamine response is definitely going to be heightened. And when you raise that level, you raise the bar, if you will, on what is required to increase the dopamine response or those happy, feel-good feelings after having something, all of a sudden it takes more. It takes more sugary things. It takes more sweet things to get that same response. Does that sound like addiction? Because it should. So some of these sweeteners have actually been banned due to health concerns. Uh, There's a lot that have been studied and it takes longer term studies to confirm some of these things. I mean, it takes, it can take decades to develop things like cancer or other, you know, chronic illness and things that are plaguing our country, but it takes that long to determine what is the cause of it and what has an impact on it. So some of the, some of the sweeteners that, uh, that were created, you know, in the eighties and the nineties are now being linked to certain chronic conditions because of the fact that they're finally able to do longer term testing. So I don't know about you, but some of these newer sweeteners that are coming out, which are many, it seems are coming out each year. Does that make you eager to jump in and be the essential guinea pigs on what the long-term effects are? Anyways, we're getting off on a tangent and I want to shift the focus back to the artificial sweeteners. So food manufacturers are coming out with new forms of artificial sweeteners a lot, like regularly, because of the fact that they know that when we're looking at our ingredient labels, we're looking for sugar. We're, we're, it's now no, not a secret that sh- too much sugar has an impact on how we feel. Um, so we're looking for that. Many of us are looking for that in food labels and ingredient lists. So food manufacturers are, know that if you see sugar as one of the leading first two or three or four ingredients, you may be less likely to buy that item. So what do they do? They create their own form of sweetener. So they take different conglomerations and and chemical forms of sweeteners and high fructose corn syrups and things like that. And they mold them together in, in their labs and they make new sweeteners under different names that don't sound like they would be a sugar. So they come out with all these new different forms and names basically as a cover up for the fact that it is a sweetener because you're looking for sugar or you're looking for syrup or you're looking for some of the things that you can identify as a sugar, but you're maybe not looking for things that have a completely different name that don't even sound like a sweetener at all. Also keep in mind when you see foods listed in, or you see ingredients listed on a food label, it's listed in order of the most found in that food. So for example, if you see like in, in whole wheat bread, 
whole wheat is going to be the first ingredient because that's the most prevalent in that item. If you see sugar or sweeteners listed higher up in the ingredient list, then that means there's more sweeteners in there. So now what sugar or what food manufacturers are doing is they're dispersing it. So you'll see items. If you look, you'll see ingredient lists that have four and five different sweeteners throughout kind of peppered in throughout the ingredient list because they know if they put the the one, like if they just put sugar, that's gotta be at the front or the top. And when we're looking at ingredient lists, we'll see the top one, two or three ingredients of sugar. We might not be wanting to buy that food, but if they're able to kind of break that up and use a small bit of sugar, but then a whole mess of other artificial sweeteners, then it's in a different spot on the ingredient list, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a, kind of a trick and kind of something to kind of pay attention to and look at is just because something says low sugar on a label, um, that doesn't mean low sweetener. So there could still easily be a whole mess of sweeteners in there that have a different impact on your body. I have a list of about 120 different names for sweeteners or forms of sugar that you can see on a food label. I will link that in the show notes. It is, it's pretty eye-opening. I made this list. It was last year, the year before, and there were about 120 different names that you can commonly see on a food label. And if you look at them, you're like, what in the world is that? You look at on this list, you're like, oh, okay, it's a sweetener. Um, but now there are over 260 different, different names. So many aren't even on my list anymore because my list is now outdated because of the fact that food manufacturers are coming out with so many different forms of sweetener. Um, so a lot of people will think, well, it doesn't have calories. It's therefore it's, it's okay. Let's talk about that for a second. So the reason why these chemical forms of sweeteners do not have calories is because we don't actually absorb them. So that's why it's not impacting us in the form of calories. They probably does. If you, if you took a laser or a measurement tool and measured the energy source in that, it probably does have calories. But the fact that we don't actually absorb it doesn't count for us as calories. So if we don't absorb it, then it's probably fine, right? Yes, if you're living in the 80s and 90s still under that diet mentality of calories in, calories out. It's not fine. It is actually causing a huge impact on our gut bacteria. And the gut bacteria, as we talked about last episode, is huge when it comes to hormone conversion, serotonin processing, uh, immunity, inflammation, like so many things revolve around our gut. And the fact that these artificial sweeteners are impairing, inflaming, irritating our gut lining can lead to all of those things that we talked about last episode. So are artificial sweeteners good? No. (laughs) Just because something doesn't have calories doesn't mean it has no impact on our body. Can we please all kind of remember that? And, And is one better than the other? I mean... Every, there's no, nothing should be off limits. I just want you all to know what things are doing to your body. So if you only have artificial sweeteners, you can, that's a lot of chemicals. It's a lot of chemicals that, especially if they're the newer forms that haven't been tested long-term to see what they're actually doing to our DNA and our cells and all of our things. So It's something to consider is that you don't want to overdo it on regular sugar and you don't want to overdo it on artificial sweeteners either. Personally speaking, I tend to go just straight up sugar versus any chemical form of sweetener. 
Um, and I mean, there are, there are multiple studies out there. I can link some in the show notes too, that link the fact that artificial sweeteners, uh, have an impact and shift the, uh, hormones that cause hunger and the feelings of fullness. And it can actually, um, impact how our brains process that. So basically what that means is it can screw with our hormones that tell us when we're full and it can cause us to feel hungrier and not full. So um, interesting, interesting stuff coming out in the world of science around like the ghrelin and leptin hormones, especially related to artificial sweeteners impact on those. So do you think you have a sugar addiction? Now, I wanna preface this by saying, I am not an addiction specialist. I wholeheartedly believe though, that there are people who suffer from a sugar addiction. Um, But how I kind of view things in that regard is I feel like there are three different components or three different kind of arms that feed into what could be labeled as a sugar addiction. So for one of them, I feel like the, the physical craving for sugar. So like we talked about last episode, your uh, glucose and insulin balance can really cause you to crave phys- physiologically. You can crave sugar. If your glucose, your blood glucose drops, your body still needs the glucose in every cell for energy, including the brain. It will send signals for more glucose. The fastest form of more glucose is sugar and easily to digest carbohydrates. So that's why we can physically crave sugar and sweets and carbohydrate rich foods when we are having low blood sugar or stressed out or what have you. So I do believe that there is enough proof out there to show that that is a physical craving, it's physiology, it's not a moral downfall or a, a flaw in your you know, character, it's physiology, that happens. I also think there is an emotional craving component. So we, we tie so many feelings around our food choices. And can we just have a, a, a quick conversation, a side note, if you will, sidebar, If we are the only people, we are the only species that I know of (laughs) that attach so many feelings and emotions around food. I've used this example a lot with clients, and if any of you are listening, I apologize, you're going to have to listen to it again. But think about a squirrel in the yard. Do you think that squirrel is out there thinking like, oh God, nope, I can't have that acorn. Uh Uh-uh, I've already had three. No, that's, I'm not going to do it. Like, no, of course it's not. It's just thinking like, oh, cool. I'm going to store this for later. You know, like, so we are the only species that tie so many emotions and feelings to what we eat. Um, Now, there's a whole, whole conversation we could have around why that happens. But I just wanted you guys to kind of think about that for a second. Like the emotional craving to sugar is a real thing. I think many of us can agree with that is that we've either experienced it personally, or you've seen it happen in a a loved one or a friend or whoever, where there is an emotional craving. They think, oh, I need, I need a, you know, a cookie right now or whatever it is. So, but then that ties into all the feelings of guilt and shame and self-sabotage, which can then circle back to more emotional cravings for sugar. It is a Uh, comfort food. It is, you know, there's a whole, again, whole side conversation we could have around that, but an emotional craving also is a big impact on the craving for sugar. 
um, or sugar addiction. And then the third component that I have seen a lot, and I love personally exploring further, is the food habit part of it. The habit and the learned behaviors that we get into that are tied to sugar and sugar consumption. So eventually, uh, at some point along the way, if you're one that has a Diet Coke in the morning, I talked to so many people. I was like shocked. I'm like, how are all these people having so much Diet Coke in the morning? Um, But that's a habit. That's a habit that they got into somewhere along the way. And it's learned and it's a habit, but it's a reason why they feel addicted to sugar or addicted to Diet Coke or addicted to fill in the blank, whatever it is. It's a learned habit. And um, when you, you know, you, you think about other times that you have a habit around food. So I hear a lot about night eating or snacking at night, uh, having a sweet after dinner. Uh, a lot of people will say, maybe you're one that will agree with the fact that um, a meal isn't complete unless there is something sweet afterwards. So something sweet like a piece of dark chocolate or, you know, something sweet. The meal isn't complete until you've had something sweet. That's kind of a rhyme. It's kind of fun. But anyways, um, so you might agree with that. And again, that's a habit when you look at that. Is it a physical craving? No. Is it emotional craving? Maybe. Is it a, a food habit that you learned? Yep, absolutely. So those, all three of those things kind of play off of each other at times, I think, but they all kind of lead to that notion of, a sugar addiction. So if you're feeling like, man, I'm addicted to sugar. I, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm so addicted to sugar. Break it down, break down the components. Do you have a physical craving for it? It might seem like you do, but is that really just a mental craving? Um, do you actually physically crave it where if you don't get it, you feel lightheaded, you know, you have some physical symptoms. Um, is it emotional craving? Is it something more along the lines of stress eating, emotional eating, feeling other feelings that have somehow been linked to having something sugary that is either a way of coping or something along those lines, or is it a habit that you just learned? So those are kind of some of the things to think about when you're trying to identify if you truly have a sugar addiction. And I love breaking those down. If you need help with that, please reach out. I'm happy, happy, happy to talk more about your specific situation. So kind of thinking about ways to stop sugar cravings before they start. So again, you kind of have to look at the three different components, the physical, the emotional, and the food habit part of it. But the first thing I would say when you're talking about you want to either reduce your sugar cravings or you want to stop cravings altogether or whatever, know what's in your food. You have to know what you're eating. Are you getting a bunch of hidden sources of sugar or sweeteners in your foods that are contributing to that physical craving for sugar in the first place? So a lot of things like marinades and ketchup and condiments and sauces and all of that kind of stuff has hidden sweeteners in it. I shouldn't say hidden. They're, they're in plain sight. They're just listed on the label. But it's hidden in the fact that we don't associate, say, ketchup with sugar, right? Like it, it's hidden from our plain sight, basically. So are you having a lot of foods or drinks that actually kind of have a lot of sugar and sweetener in it? And it's adding that low grade fuel to the fire where it's stirring up all these cravings 
when it shouldn't be, you know, when you don't actually need some of those in your diet. And I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably would rather have sugar in the form of a cookie versus a tablespoon of ketchup. Like it's, it's up to you, but you know, so check out what's in your food, check out, are there hidden sources? Again, I have that, uh, that handout that goes through a few 120 different names of sweeteners. You can download that. Um, but just know what's in your food. Cause that could be contributing to a physical craving without you even knowing it. Also, you want to keep your blood sugars balanced throughout the day. Like this is going to be key. When we hit those highs and those lows of our blood sugar, those lows is what makes us physically crave more sugar. So when I say keep your ba- keep your blood sugars balanced, I mean we need to be making sure when when you have anything carbohydrate related, it's going to hit your bloodstream quicker. It's going to break down quicker and cause your blood sugar, your blood glucose to spike up. And it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It happens after you eat anything. But when you can keep it more balanced, if you pair that with something that has more protein or more fat or fiber with it, it causes the absorption to be slower. So meaning you're not going to get such a drastic spike and then a crash. So balancing your blood sugars throughout the day. That means don't go long periods of time during the day without eating. So Everybody is going to be a little bit different on this. I don't want you to hear that and be like, okay, I got to eat every single hour. Off I go. Cause that may not be right for you. But if you know that after about two or three hours, you start to get shaky or you get the hangries, that's, that's a sign that your blood sugar is too low. So, um, kind of know what your time frame or your window is and, um, go from there and plan accordingly and then plan balanced meals, something with carbohydrates, something with fats and proteins and fiber in it. So it helps to stabilize your blood sugars. That's going to help reduce some of those, uh, spikes and crashes and those physical cravings for more glucose. I will, uh, include a link in the show notes too, that talks about like an easy guide for meal planning on how to incorporate more balanced meals into your day. So you can find that if you're interested in that as well. Um, and then I think the third thing I want to say when it comes to ways of, of stopping sugar cravings before they start is know the root of the craving. I mean, you, you hear me talk all the time about root cause and what's causing it and getting to the root and finding the source and all that. It's no different with this, with this topic. So is your root, is it a physical thing? Are you going too long without eating? And that's causing your insulin and your glucose to get all, all wonky, um, super scientific term wonky. Um, or are you, is it emotional? Is the root of your craving emotional? Do you have a stress component tied to it? Do you have a emotional component? Doesn't always have to be stress. We eat sugar when we're happy too, or we eat sugar when we're scared or anxious. Those are all emotional cravings. So know the root when you have a strong craving, all of a sudden think about it, like think, am I going through a stressful time? Am I just simply tired? Am I, has it been a while since I've eaten last and it's a physical craving? Um, know that root and know that cause. And then is it a habit? That's the third thing, right? Is it simply just a habit? Are you having this mad craving for a Kit Kat bar at 4 p.m. because somewhere along the way that formed into a habit and now your body's like, it's 4 p.m., where's my Kit Kat? You know, so habits form like that quicker than you think, actually. But um, there's a number of ways why those habits form, um, which is, again, a whole other podcast topic that I'll go into. Um, but is the reason that you're craving sugar in this moment, 
Is it emotional? Is it physical? Or is it simply a habit? Knowing the cause of the craving, knowing the root source of that craving can really help you work through that craving, work through the process of that. So when you know that it's simply just a habit, you can shift your focus to something else where you can form a new habit. When you know that the root cause is emotional and you're simply stressed out or tired, you can address those emotions. You can address those feelings. You can do what you need to do to address that. If you know that the root cause of your craving right now is physical because it's, you know, 4 p.m. and you haven't eaten since 6 a.m., then you know how to address that, right? You know to have to eat more often maybe the the next day, but in that moment, you know, my body just simply needs something um, nourishing to eat. It's it's telling me it's physically craving it. So hopefully that helps to shed some light on why you're craving sugar, why you're craving some of the things you're craving. So there are, there's always a reason it's, it could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be a habit. Um, And it also could be the fact that are you getting so many hidden sources of sugar in your diet constantly throughout the day that your body is physically craving for it? It's going into kind of sugar withdrawals without you even knowing that you're having a lot of sugary foods. So I want to really have people be more aware of what is in their foods. Simply just take a look. If there is something on an ingredient label that you see and you're like, what is that? Google it. Google it. I wish there was like a nutrient Bible or something that I could refer people to. There probably is out there. But the quickest thing is to just simply Google it and see what it is. Is it a preservative? Is it a flavor enhancer? Is it a sweetener? What is it? And is it worth it for you to eat it in that moment? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you're like, yep, I still want it. I don't care if it's a preservative. And sometimes you're like, ew, no, I'm good without that. You know, so simply making those educated choices on what is in your food and are you going to eat it? So again, there is so much more to talk about, which is why I started this podcast in the first place. There's so much more to talk about when it comes to what's in our food, food quality, um, choices around foods, habits around foods. So much, much, much more to come. But I definitely wanted to start the conversation because sugar addiction and, and sugar in our foods is something that I get asked about a lot and I really have a lot to say about it because of all the research that I continue to do and the things that I uncover and um, it's it can be shocking. So I wanted to uh, put that together for you. Hopefully this was helpful. Again, check out those resources in the show notes if you want to um, be more aware of what's in your foods and how to kind of put together a more balanced meal. That is what it's there for. If you have questions coming up or if you have something you'd like me to talk more about, please reach out to me in my email or social media. I'd be happy to uh, chat with you. And uh, as always, hit subscribe. If you are liking this content, if you want more of this kind of information, hit subscribe and then all the new episodes will be sent to you in your podcast app. And if this is helpful for you, it may be helpful for somebody you know. So please spread the word that this podcast is out there and available. And if you'd like to leave a review, that'd be awesome because it helps this podcast be seen by others and put in front of other people that may be interested in the topic as well. So thank you so much for everything and for listening. I really appreciate everyone that has reached out to me so far and the feedback that I have received. I really value all of it and I appreciate you being here so much. Have a great day. Bye. Hold on, wait. If you think that you need a little bit more support when it comes to your sugar habits or your cravings specifically, 
I've put together a really super quick mini course all about sugar cravings and how to identify them. It's called the sugar reset, and you can find a link in the show notes below, but I wanted to point that out for anybody who feels like they want to go a little bit deeper into where some of the cravings are coming from. In this course, we talk about how to identify one of the three forms of cravings that you might have when it comes to sugar and what to do when each one kind of pops up as well as we go over a more balanced way of eating that anybody can implement and I also include some recipes and a sample meal plan as well so check that out if you're interested in that it is a self-paced mini course it has three modules with a bunch of different lessons within them and of course my favorite some action tasks to put into play what you're learning so click the link below and start right away